Amen. Amen. Is it working? Don't turn it up too much or it's going to hurt you in just a few minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Praise God. It's good to be with you. Uh, today, uh, I'm, me and Brad have been talking for a long time about preaching for one another. Um, and now that I'm not pastoring, I'm just youth, well, I'm youth pastor, but I'm not pastoring a church. I'm a little more available uh, to preach. So I'm glad that I uh, have the opportunity uh, to take his pulpit. And it's an honor and a privilege to be with you today. Hope that you're excited. It's good to see everybody. I do have a lot of family here. I'm looking around. I have a lot of family here. Uh, my mother-in-law is actually here. And y'all pray for her. She's really mean to me, just so everybody knows. And uh, uh, she's, she's not. That's, everybody that knows her knows that I'm telling her, forgive me, Lord. I was a, forgive me. So, but it is an honor and a privilege to be here with you today. Uh, I know that it's Palm Sunday, uh, and I wanted to preach a Palm Sunday message, but um, uh, the Lord had something else in mind. So if it's okay with y'all, I'm just going gonna, gonna to go with what? God gave me, if that's okay, okay, and I want to give you a little precursors, if I get loud, if I scream, I'm not angry, I'm not mad at you, I'm not screaming at you, I just get excited, um, I've actually been working on it, try to keep it from happening as much, so we'll see what happens, amen, <laughs> praise God, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and be flipping to uh, uh, John chapter 17, verse 3, that's kind of where just I'm going to start, it's going to take my, the, the main it's not the main scripture because I'm going to use a few. I don't normally use a bunch of different scriptures, but I just, um, I just felt like this is the way that God was leading me. Uh, so this scripture I preached actually about three years ago, three years ago, three weeks ago. At um, I don't know how long ago it was to be honest with you, three, four weeks, maybe two, at a Seepsy Christian Center, and I didn't preach this message, but but the I used this scripture, and so when I was getting ready, I had a, something really you know nice. Um, to preach, and I just knew about Friday that that wasn't going to work, and and we moved to this. So God took me to this. But if you have your Bibles and you're in John chapter 17, verse three, it's a small verse. It's very uh, simple, and it just says this: "And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God." And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So I want, I want to just focus on something for just a minute right here, if it's okay. This scripture says, and this is eternal life. What is this? It's the knowing of God. Eternal life is knowing God. It sounds so simple. But I want to submit to you this morning that it's a little bit more than maybe what it appears, and this scripture is very powerful, although it's small, if when you start to dig into the scripture and you start getting into etymology of words and stuff like that, you find out that it's way deeper than just knowing God. Because you see, when this word was translated from the Hebrew into the Greek, it means the same thing, don't misunderstand me. But it has a little bit deeper meaning because the Hebrew language, in my opinion, is one of the most perfect languages because our Savior spoke it. And he also spoke Aramaic. I understand that too. But it's, a, it's almost a perfect language. And it goes way deeper than just the Greek. So what I'm trying to say is in the Greek culture, 
an orphan child, an orphan boy who never experienced the love of a father could be sent to school and could be taught about a father. He could actually become an academic scholar on fatherhood. He could actually write books on fatherhood. He could get on the circuit and begin to travel and teach about fatherhood. But in the Hebrew culture, that would never happen. And not because the Hebrew, the Hebrew people are just mean, spiteful people. No, it's not that at all. You see, the difference is in between the words is, is, is this. In the Hebrew culture, you could not talk about something unless you had experienced it. So in the Hebrew mindset, a young boy that has a loving father would be more qualified to talk about fatherhood than the academic scholar that's been taught and studied his entire life simply because he had never experienced the love of the father. So the difference in that, it kind of changes things a little bit, doesn't it? So the difference in that is, is when you're talking about Hebrew, to, and he says, and this is eternal life to know God. Changes it a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> right? So the difference between, I, here, the main difference is, I guess you could say, is, is very simple. Right In the Hebrew culture, you have to experience something in order to know something. So there's a difference in knowing about something and knowing that you know that you know something. Does that make sense? Yeah. Amen. Praise God. It changes that whole scripture around. And you may be here today. I have to wear these. I'm sorry. I'm getting old. You may be here today and you be, may be thinking that you know God and you may, may know him. Or you might think, well, I know him well enough, you know, or whatever. Or you may even be thinking, what is the importance? A lot of the young people sometimes, they say, they, they want to know what the importance is. What's the big deal? Why do we need to know God? Well, you know, I'm glad that you ask in case you're one of those people and you don't want to say it out loud, but I'm glad you're thinking that. Because I'm going to tell you, when the battle begins, right, when your whole world is turned upside down and it seems like all hell is coming against you, you better know that you know that you know who God is. Amen? When you or your family or, 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 or your, your whole essence, your whole being is under attack from the enemy of your soul, you better know that you know that you know who God is. When the doctor calls you on the phone and he gives you that bad report, right? You better know that you know that you know who God is. When the banker calls, somebody help me. When the banker calls and says, your house is about to go or your car is about to go, you better know that you know that you know who God is. It's important. I know you probably said, some people may be thinking, brother, why are you saying all this? Preacher, why are you saying all this? Well, you see, the deal is that I've met a lot of people that, that wave the flag, right? And I'm not being critical. This is not critical. I'm saying this out of love, but I've seen people that wave the flag. I'm a Christian, but when the battle gets hot, when the battle gets really hot, I've seen them turn and run. And abandon everything that they said that they believed and they lose the battle, they lose the fight and lose a lot more than they really need to lose. All because, maybe, I don't know, maybe they didn't know that they know that they know who God is. 
If you look at the Russian-Ukrainian thing, war right now, I don't watch news. I, I've, uh, I quit watching news. I actually watch Christian news. I don't watch anything that has um, letters with it. Okay? But I was reading an article or a story, and it said that Russian troops, in the beginning of this, a few weeks ago, I guess, the Russian troops were quitting or surrendering to a really undermanned and outgunned army of the Ukrainian army. They were just surrendering, quitting, walking up, give up. And they asked them, why? Because Russia, if you don't know this, Russia could press a few buttons and Ukraine would be just a big old huge parking lot. And they were quitting. And people ask them, why are you doing this? Why are you walking away? And the Russian soldier said something that was very interesting to me. They said, we don't even know why we're here. We don't even know what we're fighting about. And when you don't know that you know, you don't have a conviction. And if you don't know that you know, that you know who God is, when the battle starts raging, you might... I don't know. Just quit. It's almost like it's human nature. Have you ever noticed that? Man, when the go what's the old saying? When the going gets tough? Yeah. Why did somebody have to say that? That was a motivational speaker, right? Well, why, why did he say that? Because human nature is when the going gets tough, I'm getting out of here. But if you know that you know that you know. I wrote all this down, y'all, so this is kind of new for me, but I'm going to try to follow it if I can. If not, the Holy Spirit will just have to lead and direct. Amen? Amen? You see, because the only way to truly stand, the only way to never back down, the only way, it, this is just my opinion, by the way, the only way to be a giant slaying, lion killing, mountain moving, demon hunting, overcoming, victorious child of God is you've got to know that you know that you know who he is. That's the only way. There's no other way. I tried other ways. There's no other way. You've got to know. You've got to know. And if you want to stack them demons up, I'm telling you, you better know that you know that you know who your God is. Amen. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you something. Let me get a little personal. Not because you read about it somewhere. Not because Sister Smith taught you in Sunday school. I love my Sunday school teacher, by the way. Her name was Miss Sister Cargo in Blountsville. I love that woman. She taught, but you don't, you can't go by what Sister Cargo said. Amen. And not because Meemaw, I love Meemaws, and some of y'all are here because of Meemaws. I'm not reaching out again, but not because Meemaw told you about it. See, what you've got to have is you have to have experienced the power of Almighty God. You have got to, you've got to been able. To be like David, King David in Psalms 34 when he said, Oh, I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. You've got to be able to experience it because Meemaw can't get you in there. Meemaw can't. She can do a lot of things and she can pray. But when it comes right down to where the rubber meets the road, Meemaw can't do anything for you. You've got to experience it yourself. Yes. Praise God. Woo. 
You can't make it off somebody else is what I'm saying. Young people, I talk to the young people a lot because I'm a youth pastor. Young people, you can't get into heaven on me and Ma's apron string. You can't overcome the enemy because me and Ma is a, is a born-again, fire-breathing, pew-walking, tongue-talking child of God. I, I'm, I'm happy, but you can't get in there because of that. You can't. You better know. You better know. <laughs> in the book of Judges, chapter 3, the very last verse, which is 31, you don't have to put it up, by the way, because I'm going to, I'll switch. But if you want to, you can. Judges 3, 31, I appreciate that. It says this, after him was Shamgar. That's actually in Hebrew, Shamgar. But I like Shamgar, so I'm, and I'm from the south, so if it's okay with y'all, I'm going to say Shamgar. And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath. Hey, there it is. Who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goat. And he also delivered Israel. Not a, lot, not a lot said about Shamgar. That's why I like him. Y'all like obscure scriptures? I do. Yes. I like the name, too. I'm going to be honest with you. I like the name. But you see, the thing about Shamgar, when I got to research in his time, because it really only mentions him twice, and it's both in the book of Judges, and it's once right here where it just says he's the son of Anath, and that he killed 600 Philistines. And the other one, it talks about Deborah. He's in Deborah's song when she's doing a song of praise. So there's not, there's not a whole lot about Shamgar. But when you get to looking at his time when he was there, you find out that Shamgar stepped forward in a time when everybody else was backing up. Yeah, I'm going to say that again. Shamgar stepped forward in a time when everybody else was backing up. You see, what had happened is Israel had already began to compromise. They had already began to allow a little idol worship. You know, it's, you know we'll let a little bit of bell come in. We'll let a little, it won't hurt anything. Does that sound familiar to you? Well, we'll just allow a little bit of this. It's not really that big of a deal. We'll just allow a little bit. See, I believe today the church has already begun to compromise. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it seems like to me that the idols of Facebook, Twitter, and the mainstream media, well, they're out there spreading the news. And even the Christians are eating it up, are following it like it's the gospel. That's a problem. Because I don't know if you pay attention to their message and their underlying message. Because I'm going to tell you something, if you don't know this, they don't like you. As a matter of fact, one of the hosts on uh, MSNBC, she said that you were much like the Taliban. Matter of fact, she said you're just like the Taliban. Now, she actually knows that you're not. But boy, that sounds good, doesn't it? What a sound bite. Mainstream Christians, modern evangelical Christians are just like the Taliban. But you see, that's what the world thinks of you, and that's what they want the world to think of you. I tell people this all the time, you better wake up. You better wake up. You see, Shamgar, you see, he didn't get into the whole trend of the day. Shamgar didn't TikTok, okay? I'm just going to tell you. Uh, he, he didn't TikTok. He didn't get into all that stuff. He didn't just, he, he, he also didn't let the compromising spirit of the day get in his way and stop him from taking an action. Shamgar was not affected by what everybody else was doing. Let me say that again. He was not affected by what everybody else was doing. Does that get you excited? 
It should, because I want to tell you something, church. We need some Shamgars here today. We need some people that don't care what Facebook says. We need some people that doesn't listen to what thus saith CNN, but they listen to what thus saith the Lord. We need some Shamgars in this world today that's willing to take a stand and willing to do what is right in the sight of God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So how did a man with an ox go? A pointy stick. You know that's what it is, right? It's a pointy stick. It's pointy on one end, and, and it's got a blunt thing on the other end, so you can, you know, prod the ox with a pointy, then flip around and knock the dirt, the mud off your plow. So how did a man with a pointy stick kill 600 men? 600. I wasn't there. I didn't see it, but the Bible says it, and if the Bible says it, guess what? Oh, I believe it. Right, right. 600 with a pointy stick. Let that resonate in in your brain for a minute. 600 with a pointy stick. Can I submit to you today that Shamgar knew his God? Hmm? Hmm? Get a hold of this. Get a hold of this. A man... A nobody, a farmer, not a trained soldier, a person that many scholars argue might not even have been full-blood Hebrew. Some people say that his name even means stranger. A man like that took a pointy stick that he was using to plow the field with, a pointy stick, and killed 600 men. I don't know about you, but I like it. (laughs) I like it. Think about this. Do you all have a spiritual imagination? Because I do. Mine is out of control sometimes. I'll be honest with you. So in my spiritual imagination, here's what I see. You have Shamgar. He's standing there and he looks up over the horizon. Here comes 600 men. He looks down at the stick in his hand. He says, I like my odds. (laughs) I don't think he said that, but I mean... You know, my spiritual imagination. But we all know he didn't say that because you know what really, what he really did is he looked down at that stick in his hand and he looked back up and he probably said to himself and he probably looked up to heaven and said, listen, you're my God and they're on the way and I'm not leaving this place today. I'm staying right here. So you're either going to be with me and we're going to put an end to these or whatever happens, but I'm not moving from this spot. Man, <laughs> man, I'm telling you, I wish some people today in our time would, would, would decide, make a decision, and decide they're going to choose God. And whatever it is in your hand, whatever it is that God has placed in your hand, whatever it is to take a stand, to plant your feet, you hear me, and say, come on with it, devil, and stand there with that pointy stick or whatever you have in your hand and stack them demons up or stack up those strongholds, stack up those principalities, put them to an end. That's what I wish we would do today. You can tell him. You may want to come after my family. Come on. But just, just, just know. <laughs> I got a pointy stick in my hand that's been covered and saturated with the power of Almighty God. And between this pointy stick in my hand and God, you can come on with it. 
but you ain't going to like the end results. You're not going to like what happens when God gets through with this situation. You know, it's not about Shamgar. It is in the fact that he knew his God. It is in the fact that he obeyed his God. But it was God. 600 men, think about that, with a pointy stick. So, 600 men, and the stick didn't break. Are y'all from, y'all like history? Well, if you don't, you probably watch movies. Y'all remember the movie 300? It's about the, the Battle of Thermopylae, right? Hell's Gates, Fire Gates, whatever. Do you know they did an excavation there and they found tips and points of hundreds of lances and arrowheads where they snapped off? This man's stick never broke. 600. Mm. He might have hit some of them over the head. I don't know. It wasn't there. 600. The stick never broke. That's God. I'm going to tell you something this morning. He didn't get there because he had a book knowledge of God. He didn't get there because Papa told him about it. He, he got there because he had an intimate relationship with his God. And he knew exactly who his God was. And he decided to plant his feet right there where he stood and say, I'm not backing up one inch. I wish somebody would get a hold of this. What am I trying to tell you this morning? A pointy stick in God is better than a ballistic missile without God. Pointy stick. Praise God. That's good. I like that. Thank you, Lord. I like that. Second Samuel 23, 11 and 12, if y'all want to go there. After him was Shema, the son of Aji, the Harite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. But he... Shema stationed himself in the middle of the field and defended it and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. They took the clock down. I might have to keep up with the time or I'll preach till 2 o'clock. Okay. All right. Y'all said it. Okay. The word Shama, the name Shama means astonishment. I'm pretty sure that the Philistines that gathered together in a troop were pretty astonished. As they were dying. That this one man. I'm sure they were astonished. But he, they said he was a Harite, which means he was a, from the mountains. He was a mountain dweller. He was a hill. He's from the hill country. He was nobody. You follow the, the you see the similarities between these two men? They didn't have huge family lineages. They didn't have, they weren't, um, uh, what am I trying to say? They weren't royalty in the church of God. They weren't, uh, they were just men, right? That God used because they knew who their God was. There's nobody in this room that God won't use if you know who your God is. Amen? Amen. And I know sometimes when we read this, we don't understand the whole, the whole uh, significance of the patch of ground, the piece of ground that had lentils in it. You know, lentils are beans, right? Peas, that's what I call them, but they're probably more of a bean thing. You say, well, what's the significance of a pea patch? 
Is it okay if I call it pea patch? Okay. What's the significance of a pea patch? Well, you see, that pea patch was their food for however long. However long it was supposed to sustain them. And the Philistines, they were coming to kill them and take their peas. That's been going on for centuries. You know that, right? Even right here in Alabama. The Native Americans, when they were here, the Cherokee, Choctaw Creek, you know, they'd wait till harvest time. And they'd go raid the next tribe, take their corn, whatever. But you see, that pea patch was important. Are you following me? Yeah. That pea, it, 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 the, the field of lentils is very important, right? Just think about it like this. The field of lentils is your life, right? It's your lifeline to everything else. The pea patch is very important. So like Shamgar, Shammah also was not affected by what everyone else was doing. That's an awesome concept. I don't know if you're getting that concept, but it's an awesome concept. How about this? How about doing something that nobody else is doing? It's absolutely crazy. I tell the young people all the time, young people, listen to me. If you follow the crowd, if you do blindly, the, the crowd will lead you straight to hell. I'm just telling you like it is, right? You can follow the crowd or you can stand out and be who you are. You can be a child of the king, but you follow that crowd. That crowd's going to lead you astray. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you, listen. The powers that be, they just want you to get in line, right? No questions. Don't ask any questions. <laughs> just do what you're told. So my question to everybody is, is that what we're going to do? Young people, is that what you're going to do? You're going you're gonna to get in line, do what you're told? Because right now the crowd, if you don't know this, the crowd is not, is not with us. You see, Shema here. He did something that no one else was doing. He took a stand. You see the crowd, right? The end people, the popular people, the get in line people, the ask no questions people, when they saw the enemy, well, they turned and ran. But not Shema. The Bible says that he stationed himself in the middle of that field. And what that means is that he didn't just walk in the middle and stand. He walked in there and he planted his feet and he got in his fighting stance and he got ready to go. Listen, when the enemy comes for your children, when the enemy comes for your grandchildren, your loved ones, I wish somebody would plant their feet and put on the whole armor of God and say that this is my pea patch. This is my children. This is my grandchildren. This is my loved one. And you can have it, but you've got to come through me and God before you get it. <laughs> and some of y'all are in a pea patch right now, today. You're in your pea patch. Pea patch of loss. Pea patch of sickness. You're in the pea patch. And the enemy's coming for you. He's formed himself into a troop. And he's coming for you. What are you going to do? You're in the pea patch. Maybe you're going through something nobody else knows about. And I know people have have things they keep inside and they don't want to burden other people with. But maybe you're going through something that nobody else knows about right now. You're in the middle of something and you really don't want to tell anybody and you don't know what to do. You're in the middle of your pee patch. I'm going to tell you something today. I'm going to give you some advice. Get yourself into this book. Get yourself on your knees, on your face, and get to know who God really is and put your trust and place your trust in Him and He will deliver you. He will give you a great victory in the middle of your pee patch. Just like he did Shama, Shama, however you say his name.
Praise God. Don't stay in that pee pack. Listen, everybody else ran. Sometimes you can't run, right? Running's over. Anybody ever been in that position? Running, running is not an option. Now, I will tell you this, Shema, he made a decision. He looked down at them peas. He looked back up at them Philistines. He turned around and watched everybody else run away. He turned back and he said, I know my God. Now, I don't know. I wasn't there. But I got a feeling like he had to say something like that. I know my God. Let me get over here in the middle of this pea patch. Let me get this. Let's get these feet planted. His name means astonishment. Them Philistines probably said, what is he doing? Does he not see how many of us there are? What is wrong with this man? <laughs> I'm sure some of them started thinking, wait a minute, he knows something we don't know. Some of them I started thinking, man, he's got people hid over here in the woods. But you see, he did know something that they didn't know. Because he knew who Almighty God was. Because he had tasted and seen that he is good. He had experienced him in his everyday life. And he knew that in that middle, in that battle, in the middle of that pea patch, he knew that his God would never leave him nor forsake him. And he planted those feet and he threw back his shoulders and said, come on with it. Come on with it, Satan. I wish somebody would get a hold of that today. Hallelujah. There's one more scripture that I want to talk about. And it's also in 2 Samuel, it's in 23 and 20. And it's about this guy named Benaiah. Now, it's spe- the way it's spelled, I didn't know how to pronounce it. And I, I, but it, I just kept, everybody kept saying it wrong, or I did anyway. I was like, Benaiah, yay. And I, finally, I went to the little Hebrew translation thing. And it's simple, it's Benaiah. Benaiah. Oh, there it is. Benaiah was the son of Yehoiada the son of a valiant man from Cobzael, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. But listen to this right here. He had also gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. Now, he was also a giant slayer, but y'all can read that for yourself. He was also the head over David's mercenaries. He's a general over his mercenaries. He was also the guy that, that made that become, put Solomon in, in, in as king and become Solomon's number one general. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about that last line. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. There's a book about that. Did y'all know that? Okay. I haven't read it, but I'm sure it's good. Okay. I'm glad somebody knows, yeah. Um, I, and not that I don't want to read the book. I mean, but when I read this, I, I almost, well, my spiritual imagination, I already know everything that happened. <laughs> you ain't going to tell me. I got it. One line, one sentence. I'm, tell, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to share with you today what happened, just like I was there, right? Because my spiritual imagination, it, it, it has to. But you have to understand this man. You have to understand this mindset. Many are. And I can see it. He woke up early one morning. My wife's like, I've heard this three times. <laughs> he woke up early one morning. 
sipping his coffee because the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. Okay, some of y'all are old enough to remember that. So he's sipping his coffee, and he sees movement on the outside. Something catches his eye. And he looks out, and he sees a lion come across his property. Well, most people would run over and shut and lock the door or, or either pick up the phone and call for help or whatever. Benial did just the opposite. Benial grabbed his sword, and out the door he went. So now he's chasing this lion. you got to get a hold of this. He's chasing this lion. And the lion's just, you know, just moving along, you know. What, if you don't know what the lion's doing, he's marking his territory. And see, the problem that we have today is, 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 is the lion, the devil, when he comes out to mark his territory, we go, well, he's, he's just over there. He's, he's just over there. See, but Benia knew that if, he, if he's allowed over there, it'll just be a few days and he'll be right here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, come on now. It means a little bit more, right? Well, why did he go after the lion? Because he knew. You better know what the devil's going to do, baby. He's gonna, the Bible says you, you need to be wise. You need to know the schemes of the devil, right? So he already knew. Benia looks out. He sees a lion. He goes, oh, no, not today, Satan. So he grabs, he grabs his sword, right? And he goes out the door, and he's chasing a lion. What kind of a man chases a lion? But he's chasing the line, and I can see it happening. And he's following the line at a steady pace. And the line don't even know he's chasing him to begin with. And the line he hears or feels or whatever, and he turns around and looks, and he says, Ah, this, this idiot's chasing me. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't know I'm a lion, apparently. So he's like, Well, okay, he'll get, he'll get tired. And the line just keeps going. He looks around, and there's that little figure in the distance. That lion's probably getting weirded out by now. What is he doing? I'm a lion. Well, he follows and follows. And the old lion gets to this certain spot, and he says, I've had it. I'm tired. I'm going to show this dude. I'm going to scare him. I'm going to let him have it. Because y'all know how loud a lion's roar is? Ooh, it's deafening, isn't it? The old lion turns around, looks at Benny Oz. He's running... Deep down, digs down deep inside and gets his best deep, very white, lion voice. And he gives him the loudest roar he can give him. Benioff still coming. Freaks this lion out. I mean, sets him aback. He spins around, slips, trips, falls right down into a pit. And within a few minutes, when he looks up, standing at the top of that pit, is Benyah. What kind of a man jumps into a pit with a lion? A man that knows. Man that knows. I don't know if any of y'all was scared. I don't know what he was thinking. I know he had a sword, but a pit's not a very big place. You want to talk about close quarters combat? CCB? Baby, that's CCB right there. And I heard somebody say one time, well, you know, the uh, Hebrew, the, the lion in Israel, it wasn't as big as the African lion. The uh, Hebrew lion only weighed 250 pounds. <laughs> oh, is that all? 
Well, that changes everything. That makes it easy. So let me ask you this. The American, the cats we have here now in our state, they average about 120 pounds, mountain lions. How many of y'all want to jump in the pit with one of them? Yeah, I don't think so. I'll jump when I dump about 20 on top of him. I might jump down in after him. So many of y'all standing over this line. He takes one step. And I, I, when, I, if I was, when I was younger, I would jump right off the stage. But I'm not. But he took one step. And only one living thing come out of that pit. What am, what am I saying? I'm saying we need some lion slayers today. We need some biniyahs. We need some people that sees the devil marking his territory and says, oh, no. You've come to the wrong place. But he's just on the edge of Brookside. He, he, he just uh-uh. No, 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 no. You should have never put your paws down. You should have never put your feet down in Brookside, Alabama, because I got a mini yard that's here, and I'm grabbing, I'm grabbing my sword, and I'm going after you. And when I get through with you, only one of us is coming out, and it's going to be me because I know that I know that I know who my God is. Praise God. Brother, come up and play me something. Let it rip. Because I want to tell you something. There's some people here today, and I believe in my heart. And I, I, You know, when you give out altar calls and you start calling out problems, people don't want to move because it's embarrassing. They, you know, they may want, I don't want anybody knowing that I'm struggling with blah, blah, blah. I get it. But I'm telling you, there's some people in this room today that want to have a better relationship there's some people in this room today that want to get so close to God that they can taste and see that he is good. If you're one of those people, we're going to have an altar call. And what I want you to do is I want you to come up and I want you to, listen, I, I, I'm not even giving the prayer of salvation because as I look around, it looks like everybody in here is saved. How many, how many people here want to get close to God? How many people in this room want to know that they know that they know? And even if you already know that you know that you know, I don't know what it would hurt to get even closer to God. So when they start playing the music, if you want to get close to God, make your way to there up front. There's not an altar, sorry. Make your way up front or, or wherever you're at. Seek God this morning. Let's change this world starting right here. Let's change Brookside starting right here because our brother said it this morning. It's not about ministry work. It's not about programs. It's about God and it's about knowing God. And when you know God, you're not afraid to get out and talk about God. Amen.